The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! You know, I didn't have XYZ either. I mean, I remember when I started my business and I got into sales and instead of looking at an entire industry and how I'm going to change it and how I'm going to define it and redefine the entire industry, I was looking at myself and how am I going to take advantage of just starting to make 100 grand, you know, 300 grand, you know, whatever that looks like, right? You know, I came home one day after I was fired. I walked into my, my, my home, two-bedroom condo, two kids, a third on the way. You can get started from wherever you are in life. You know, sales is a great path. It's an amazing path for some because it is the ability to make a large amount of money through commissions. When you can deliver revenue to a company, they will pay you handsomely for it. My point is that delivering revenue is where you get paid more money. Things are spicy today on The Him and Her Show. We have Mauricio Yamansky. You may have seen him on Buying Beverly Hills on Netflix, or maybe you saw him on one of the 12 seasons of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, or perhaps you know him as the founder and CEO of the agency. He's doing it all. He also recently appeared on Dancing with the Stars, and we get into all of it. All the juice, all the tips, all the applicable takeaways are in this episode. We go all over the place, okay? We talk about how to make it in real estate, the traits of a successful salesperson, where charisma comes from, how to build it, self-awareness, couples, marriage, wife, kids. I mean, we go there. I just think that he's an incredibly dynamic entrepreneur, and he has a lot of things that I took notes on in this show. On that note, Mauricio Yamansky, welcome to the Him and Her Show. This is the Skinny Confidential, Him and Her. When was the first taste of success that you had? Like, go back way, way back. When was the first taste where you were like, oh my God, I want to take this and I want to gain momentum? Oh, wow. You're really making me go deep into my uh, past. But I I, I think there's a couple of instances. I'm going to, well, there's multiple different types of successes, right? There's the business success where you all of a sudden you're you're successful in business and you do something and you're like, you feel like you accomplished a mission. And I'm going to say that that was when I was working for my father selling textiles. And he gave me the worst accounts on that that existed, and I became his number one salesperson. You know, within six months, right? And sold. You know, and all the other salespeople were like, "Well, you got the best accounts," and I was like, "I got all the accounts none of you guys wanted." Like, that's not BS here. Like, I got the worst accounts. But I would say, even taking it back further, I would say that that my first taste of success was actually when I wanted to. Um, ski in the Olympics and I wanted to do winter skiing and I wanted to start that. I became a, I, I became a skier. I really just went all for it. I mean, I went so much all for it that I never went to school, um, which was not necessarily a good thing. But I think that it was that moment where it was that type of commitment to everything. Um, I never made the Olympics, to be clear, but I wanted to make the Olympic you know, ski team. And then I didn't make it. So then I ended up, you know, kind of starting the Mexican Olympic ski team. That's a different story when I say kind of starting it. And remember, there's no snow in Mexico. So that's just. I was going to ask you, Paula, but okay, glad you clarified. Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah. It was that commitment to exercise the body, the soul, the mind that gave me that first um, taste of success. When was your first 
sort of epiphany with real estate? When did you feel like you wanted to get into it? You're you're a naturally charismatic person. I'm a big fan of the show. I watch the show and you have strength and warmth. That would be a very important tool with real estate. Did you did you know that you always wanted to be in it or did you fall into it? A little bit of both. Um, my passion was always real estate. It was design. It was architecture. But I also knew that my best trait, as you just said, was uh, the charisma that I have and the ability to read a room. And when you can take both of those things, you can, you know, what you really do become is a great salesperson. And I knew that my strength was sales. And so I just needed to be in sales. I started with my father selling textiles. I got fired from a job. I was down and out. I was broke. And Kyle's brother-in-law, Rick Hilton, owned a real estate brokerage firm, Hilton and Highland. And Kyle's like, well, now's your opportunity to get into real estate. And it was, so I kind of fell into it. It was what I wanted to to do, but I kind of fell into it. And it was in sales and it was what I, and so I fell into it, but I wanted to get into it. From, from your perspective, as one of the most successful sellers of all time, I would say, and I will say on this show that I think, you know, if you could figure out one trade in business and you're not really sure what you want to do, like if you if you have the ability to go into sales, I feel like you can always feed yourself, right? Like whether it's selling real estate or selling a product or whatever it may be. From your perspective, what do you think makes an incredible seller? That's a great question. You know, what are the traits that make somebody amazing to sell? I think it's um, it's a combination of a bunch of different things, right? Number one is you got to have the ability to read the room. And what that means is is understand what your you know your 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 people are doing, what they're talking about, their clients. Listening, the skill of listening is so underrated, and everybody talks about it, but nobody listens. It's very weird. It's like, yeah, let's listen. But as most people, when when they're being spoken to, it's you can see it. It's going in one ear, it's coming out the other ear. They're not processing, and they're just thinking about what they're going to say, and then they spit out something that has nothing to do with you know understanding and reading what you know the client's talking about. That's number two. Number three is you have to be the most knowledgeable person about your product that you're selling than anybody else. You cannot you know afford to not know whatever it is that you're selling inside and out, A to Z. In real estate, it's about knowing the contract. A to Z. I I used to be able to pretty much recite every single clause in the real estate contract, wow. like you know, like that. They've changed the contract. It's been hard for me to keep up with that on all that stuff. And but I used to, you know, recite. You know, I'd be in a negotiation. I'd be like seventeen B three states. Blah 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 blah. blah. And they're like, well, where'd you get that from? You and know? what do you think that does to the person on the other side? <laughs> well, it puts them it, in, in in a negotiation. It puts them in a level where they're like, oh wait a minute, this guy's way smarter than me. This guy knows way more than you know what I know. And that allows you to be a better negotiator. The art of negotiation is not always about the art of winning. It's not about sometimes getting the best price. It's about achieving success, which sometimes just means buying the property, being the winner, making your client happy and making them feel like they like, like they won, making the other side feel like they won, right? Because sometimes it's about, you know, real estate agents or, or salespeople want to be so good and so successful that all they care about is the art of winning and delivering the best price, but then they end up not delivering happiness, which is, in my case, delivering the sanctuary of a place where a family wants to live. And then you over you you overthink it, you, you want to be too much of a hero, and you actually end up delivering negativity, and you don't deliver what the client wanted to receive. When you look back 
as a little boy, where does your charisma come from? Because I'm a believer that that charisma it, it is natural, but I also think that if it is natural, it can be refined. Well, first of all, my my mother, one of the great things she did for me is give me tremendous confidence. She always just made me feel like I was the best person on earth, that everything I did was right. And she just gave me overconfidence. She was a psychologist. She was going to school for psychology. So she also uh, taught me the art of human behavior. I, I kind of went to school with her. She started school when I was seven years old. So it's not that she started school and was finished with it. Uh, she actually started college when I was seven years old. She kind of went back to go to college. And so I watched that. And then she got three postdoctorates after, wow. you know, her uh, master's doctorate, postdoctorate, postdoctorate, postdoctorate. She went to school my life. But she gave me, and I learned how to read a room from her. I learned psychology. I learned how to read human behavior. And she gave me a ton of confidence. But that was also because I was born with a terminal blood disease. And I was very lucky to have survived that. Between surviving that and then pretty much spending the first seven years of my life in a hospital, and I forgot, I cannot recall anything of my past prior to my seven-year birthday. It wow. just doesn't exist. It's you not, think your brain it's just not blocked, in my brain. It just it's blocked shut the trauma. Down. Yeah. It's shut down. I know the stories. I see photos. I see all of that stuff. But my brain does not recall a time before Sure, that. it's probably protecting you from a trauma, a trauma. 100%. Yeah. You know, that carpe diem, you know, that like, luckily, you know, I'm lucky to be alive thing. I'm lucky to be here and I'm lucky to be healthy here, I think has a lot to do. The combination of that together with the combination of the confidence and the fun and all of that stuff that I received, I think is what has given me the ability to have that charisma. Farah always tells me that you're like one of the most positive people ever. Do you think the positivity comes from the trauma that you experienced? It's like you're, you, like you just said, like you're so lucky to be here. You just feel lucky to be alive. I think there's no question that the positivity comes from that feeling and being lucky to be alive. I think that's super important. I think that's a, uh, a critical piece of my positivity. But I also think it's also something that I've been learning recently, just to be you know, quite honestly, honest with you, is that there's also a negative part of being so positive. Because what the positivity does is it sometimes shuts down and shuts out your ability to be vulnerable and your ability to be uh, connected to your own emotions. Um, and so although you see everything in an amazing light and in an amazing positivity, it sometimes puts a wall to other aspects of life that are important. And one of the things that I've been working on, you know, most recently is not, I'm not trying to lose my positivity, but I'm trying to, to stop the wall that that positivity creates and be a little bit more open to, you know, what is it that I stand for? What is it? What is it? How is it that I feel something? What are those emotions? What is that vulnerability? Understanding a little bit more of empathy, particularly at work and understanding what that looks like. So there's a lot of things about uh, being positive and being optimistic that are amazing qualities, but there are also some, you know, I'm learning that, you know, there are some uh, walls that, that take place because of that. Most high performers we meet tend to lean towards positive. You have to think there's a bright future. And I think even for, for ourselves, some in some ways, acknowledging maybe discomforts or things that are not so well, you like feel like it'll throw you off your game. So you just get good at blocking that stuff out. I don't think it's in I don't think it's something that's conscious. I think it's subconscious. It is a subconscious thing. And the, I think that if you can find the right balance between finding the good and the right and the positive in anything and everything, but being able to be a little bit in touch with emotions and to be able to decide what's good and what's bad for you, that could potentially be like a really good combination. 
So I've been on this big crusade on this show, and I've, I'm very curious to ask your perspective on this. We have a lot of women on the franchises that come on the show all the time. And I always say, they ask if we would ever consider something like that. And I was like, listen, I don't know if this works out for the men, right? I feel like a lot of the women have a great time, but the men, it's tough. And I feel like you know this no, better than anyone being on these shows. I feel 14 like- seasons or 12? Oof, I don't even know anymore. Could it be 13? It might be 13. It might be 13. <laughs> Could it be in the middle of those Yeah, two? it might be 13. But, but my point is, is like I feel like with the men, either you get involved in the issues that are going on with the women and then the audience eats you alive or you stay out of it and you don't get involved and then the audience eats you alive. Yeah. And I feel like there's nothing you can do where they don't just come for you. How do you deal with that? It, it is so hard. I mean, the way I've dealt with it is that I've taken a, a decision to just be in and out of the housewives, right? Like <laughs> I'm in... My wife's always right. There's no question she's always right. And then, you know, I get out as fast as possible. So I go in just enough to to be in a conversation, to listen, to do all of that stuff. But I am completely out of all of the drama. The drama is all about the woman and I have no interest in that. So that's the way I've done it. It's worked out for me for 13 seasons. I've gone 13 seasons unscathed. And I think it's been a good program for me. No, no, I, you know, you know, and, and you know, we have a personal relationship with Farah. Hi, Farah, and I always ask her these questions because, because again, this gets brought up in in our world, and I'm like, well, I don't know how you can stay, even if you stay out of it. Sometimes I watch the men, and you can tell you guys are like, we don't want to deal with this shit, but you're almost forced to, and then it's like one wife is fighting with another wife, and then the husbands are like. Like if you and I were on a show, I'd be like, hey, we're probably like good. We have to drink a tequila, have a good time. But if our wives are fighting, like, what do we do? It's really hard and it's really awkward. I am, um, and you know, it's like, look, we we do become really good friends with with these people sure. and with our with our co stars. And it's a it's a reality television is really strange, right? Because particularly the housewives, it's gossipy, it's toxic. You know, they're talking, they're fighting. It's uh, it's a lot of that. The men stay out of that. We've, or at least on the Beverly Hills franchise, we've stayed completely out of that. But we've st- we 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 and we kind of have like this little thing where it's like. Listen, let the wives do whatever they need to do. We know that tomorrow's going to change because they're going to have to get back together. Generally speaking, when you fight with somebody, you don't see them the next day or you tell them to take a hike, F off, right? And you just never see them again. With When you're on a reality show, when you're on The Housewives, you have to get back the next day and talk about it. And, 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 and it's almost therapeutic. So what I have seen is that, you know, I have seen Kyle get home and tell me how much she cannot stand the housewife. She will never talk to her again. She will never be. And then, you know, three episodes later or three weeks later or whatever you're saying, it's her best, best friend. Right. So I have very much decided to not be judgmental and just to allow the whole thing to happen. I think that's smart. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned earlier reading the room. If someone doesn't know how to do that, how do they have the self-awareness? What are some tips to read a room? Because I feel like self-awareness is like the word we all need to have in 2024. The two words? So true. Self-awareness is so important. It kind of says it right there, right? It's, It's being aware when you're inside a room, right? It's a being aware, observing, looking at the room. I mean, I could tell you that when I was young, I, my sister and I, we would be in the, you know, in the back of my parents' car and I would always play a game with her and I'd be like, what'd you just see? And she would be like, what are you talking about? Like, well, what did you just see? Well, what are you talking about? I'm like, what colors, what license plate, what cars, what trees, what birds, what this, et cetera, et cetera. And she would go bananas with me. And I'm like, I would not let her like, not see things, right? And so for me, I was always just like, if you look at me, I'm always observing. I'm observing everything. I'm observing what everybody's doing in a room, what they're smiling, what they're drinking, what their facial expressions are, what they're wearing, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things tell you something about what's going on. 
So being aware, observing, being present, caring, and all of those things at the end of the day come with what you just said, which is self-awareness. And you can't do it without being self-aware. No, I think we talk about this all the time. I feel like so many people get in trouble in life and we have when you're unself-aware, right? When it's like almost like something's a shock to you when it shouldn't be. Does that yeah. make sense? It's in relationships and business and your job, whatever. Maybe it's all of a sudden you get blindsided by something. It's like, well, if you're paying attention a little bit, being more self-aware, it wouldn't be as shocking. If you were, if, if people were just a little bit more self-aware, it, things would not be as shocking. You were talking earlier <laughs> on the show about listening. And I think even when we were talking about podcasting, I think sometimes the people that are new to this medium that have struggled they do the same thing. We're like, I have all these questions in front of me, but if you're talking to me and I'm listening to you and I'm waiting for you to stop talking so I could just ask the next question, then I'm not really doing my job on a mic, right? I think some, like this is good for reference points, but I actually have to pay attention to what you're saying to have a conversation riff. I think you're so right that so many people, they think they're listening, but it's just waiting to say the next smart thing. Right. Well, but you guys are also, I mean, I've listened to your podcast and you're so good at what you're doing. Yes, you have your questions there in front of you, but I know you've already read them. I know you prepared them. I know that you've got them going on. And, you know, if I'm not a good subject for you and I'm giving you a really bad podcast, then you got to go to your questions, right? But if we're having a communication and we're talking and we're going through all of that, then your questions are just going to come out naturally and you almost even don't even have to look at your at your paper anymore. 100%. Yeah, I <laughs> we always say the best ones are like when you barely look at this, right? Yeah. I look at it as almost like just reference points, but no, to your point, it's, it should just be a great conversation. Creatine. This is a question that I get asked a lot on DMs. I take creatine every single time I work out. And I feel like creatine's a little taboo with women. I have done so much research into creatine, and for me, it is absolutely the way to go. I feel like it really, really helps sculpt my muscles in the gym. So I do a scoop of creatine and a scoop of aminos in my ice water. I froth it up. I'm good to go. It tastes like nothing. And the brand that I use is Momentus. And I use Momentus because we had the opportunity to interview the founder, and they are so gnarly about the research and the experts and the third-party testing and the commitment to quality that for me, it's a no-brainer to use this brand. A lot of women have asked what the benefits of creatine are, and it's really good for improving your strength and your exercise capacity, but it's also amazing for your bone mineral density. And what I've noticed is, like I said, I just feel like my muscles are tighter. And I can tell you guys that I've been taking it for probably like a year and I have noticed a difference. So this is one of those things that if you are looking to take it a step up in the gym, try creatine. You can visit livemomentous.com slash skinny and use code skinny at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. That's livemomentous.com slash skinny. Use code skinny for 15% off your first order. JS Health Vitamins. Jessica, the expert nutritionist who is behind JS Health, has been on the show before. And she came on and dropped all the details when it comes to skin, digestion, stress, sleep, and hair growth. She is all about the beauty benefits. The product that I fell in love with after she showed me all her products was their premium marine collagen. So this one's from Wild Deep Sea Cod, and it's enhanced with 10 research-backed ingredients. And you should know it's designed to support skin firmness, skin hydration, skin elasticity, digestion, energy, 
and overall vitality. So I am all about skin, especially from the inside out. If there's anything that I can do to upgrade my skincare routine, you know I'm going to do it. And this is a very easy way to get collagen. The way that I prefer to drink my collagen is mixed in water really quickly. Like I'll just down it in the morning or in a smoothie. Those are the two ways that I drink it. You could obviously probably put it in your coffee, your tea. I just like to do it down the hatch or I like to add it to the smoothie for a little boost. If you're on her site, I would also check out their advanced magnesium. You can head over to their site because JS Health Vitamins has given the him and her community the highest discount ever. 25% off site-wide through the end of the year. You are going to go to jshealthvitamins.com skinny and use code skinny for 25% off from now until the end of the year on your order or first subscription order. I think we all inherently know that we need to be hydrated. We need to drink water. We need to feel good. If you're one of those people that gets sluggish in the middle of the day or you feel tired after a workout or you just feel like you're not quite all there, maybe you got a little brain fog, it's most likely not only because you're dehydrated, but because you probably don't have the proper electrolyte ratio in your system. This is why Lauren and I love Element so much. They've been a longtime partner of the show. Here's how we use it. Every time we do a workout during the workout, we dump a little bit of Element into our water and take it as we're sweating. If we go in the sauna, we're taking it after the sauna. If we start to feel a little tired in the mid-afternoon, again, maybe you've had a little too much coffee and you're feeling a little bit dehydrated. Again, you need the proper electrolyte mix. This is why we love Element. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt, no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, which we've talked all about the importance of all of those things on this show, and is perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. And right now, Element is offering our listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash skinny. This deal is only available through our link. You must go to drinklmnt.com slash skinny. Element offers no questions asked refunds. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Drinkelement.com slash skinny. When you look back on when you first started the agency. Did you set out to build this empire? You guys are opening in Austin. You have so many different locations. Did When you look back on it, are you like, oh, I knew I was going to build this massive brand? Or did you just sort of put one foot in front of the other? That is a great, great, great question. I knew I was going to build this massive brand. There was no question about That's it. It cool. was part of the plan. You had the vision. I had the vision. There was no choice. It wasn't like, oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Like, I remember telling Billy, I'm like, we're going to be global. We're going to be all over the world. Like, we're going to be everywhere. And he was like, and I remember him saying, like, I'm not 100% sure how we get there, but I believe in you. I know you're going to take us there and I am all in. So you just tell me what I need to do and we'll do it. And I knew exactly the way we were going to do it. I knew how it was going to happen. I can tell you that we created a five-year business plan with Performas. We looked at it five years afterwards. I was probably off by two or 3%. I mean, on, on every line item, on how many agents we would have, on how many offices we would have, on what the revenue would be. Like not one line item was off by more than, you know, a couple percentage points. And that's, you know, that's a five-year plan that you're building off of a business plan, right? So, you know, you know, you never hit those 
you know, data points, right? No, but you know, when you, when you talk and when you say that, that doesn't surprise me because I feel like if you had really, if you built that plan out to that degree, you were probably able to make a lot of disciplined decisions in the beginning to act like a business that was already there. Does that make sense? Like, I, I imagine you said no to a lot of stuff that were maybe short-term good decisions, but long-term not great for your vision. A lot of stuff. I mean, even the no asshole rule, right? Everybody knows our rule number one is no assholes. We put it everywhere. We print it everywhere. Back in the day when we first started, our actually our our, our independent contractor agreement or ICA actually said no assholes in big capital letters. <laughs> Nowadays, my HR people have told me I can't put that on there anymore. And it's got <laughs> I got to be a little bit smarter. But it actually just said no assholes on the contract. But I remember back in the day, you know, we had a real estate agent. We were just getting started. Every penny was important. We had a real estate agent that was an asshole. This person was, you know, the number three agent in the company, me first, Billy second, this person third. So that person was performing. They were performing, crushing it, from a big standpoint. numbers, but was an asshole, complete asshole. Billy and I looked at each other and we're like, dude, like we're either going to be real about our world or we're not. Like, what? who are we? What are we? Like, this is a moment where we need to make that decision and we really needed the production. Like, don't get me wrong. And we let this person go. Kind of long story short, we let this person go. We were a little bit stressed. Within a week, within 10 days of letting this person go, the phone started to ring. We want to work for you. We didn't want to work for you because you were, you know, you had this person. We didn't want to work for you because we had this person. We hired something like 15 people and replaced the person's production wow. by like 5X, okay, by letting this one person go and being, you know, real to yourself. So when you've set up to do a business plan and you're doing that, you got to dare to be bad. You can't be great at everything, right? If you're vanilla to everything, you're plain, you're nothing. If you dare to be bad, you can be something, right? Walmart dares to deliver really shitty customer service, but they deliver really great prices, right? <laughs> I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it like for the aspiring business owners out there, this is so insightful. Cause I always say like, if you fuck up your culture, you're going to like all the other performance stuff is going to be really challenging. You have to have people that are excited to work within the organization and happy to be there. You'll get the best performance that way. If not, to your point, you get a bunch of people that either don't want to work with you, don't want to stay with you. It's just a disaster. Where's the asshole now? Yeah, the asshole still deliver is still producing a lot and is in, in another company. In his asshole ways. In his asshole ways. <laughs> <laughs> what are some things that you did when you started your business that you think made a big difference looking back besides your no asshole policy? Like, what are some things if someone wants to, to, to they're looking at you, they see this huge empire. What are some little things that they can do to get started? That is such a great question. I'm actually going through that right now. And I'm thinking about that right now because the real estate business right now is going through a lot of changes. Okay. Uh, we've all read them and if anybody's following it, it's going through a lot of changes, lawsuits with commissions, all this type of thing, uh, NAR issues. I'm not going to go into that because that's a two hour podcast on its own, but it's going through a lot of changes, right? So the big question starts becoming in any industry, whether you're starting in it, whether you're redefining in it, but you always need to look at the same thing, whether you're starting a business or you're in a business is how do you take advantage of opportunities? There's a shift happening. When a shift is happening, what do you do in order to take advantage of that shift? You have to go find that shift. You almost have to have an out of body experience 
and go look down on it and say, how am I going to do something different? In my case, when I started the agency, it was all about redefining the way real estate agents just worked. It was so easy. It was like, it was just old. It was archaic. It was dinosauric. Tech wasn't really in real estate. We didn't have an MLS system in real estate. We were still looking at books. Well, I, I would say something around probably the MLS system on computer where we actually had everything was probably like in the year 2000. Okay. Like I didn't realize it took way that late, way late in the tech world, right? We were looking at books like till the year 2000 plus, or it might be 2002, by the way. I guess I didn't realize that because in 2000, we were still in high school. But well, but, there you go. But Lucky to your you. point, I just figured that it was, that's crazy. Speak though. for yourself. I was in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's crazy to think that the tech had advanced that much and you guys were still in books. Yeah. That's wild. Crazy, right? Yeah. So we looked at it like we just wanted to redefine. There was an opportunity for us to redefine the way people marketed, the way the technology works, the way that we marketed properties. When we started selling the agency, we are the ones that started the event marketing. It didn't exist before. The great grand open house, you know, the big party, the 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 partnerships with Lamborghini and Ferrari and and Patek Philippe and Rolex, like those type of things where you're gathering luxury goods or whatever it is that you're gathering in order to create an event and that event marketing and create an experience, that didn't exist. So we were the first ones to start that. We were the first ones to start this idea of video marketing and and and, and marketing lifestyle versus rooms, right? So before that, it was, what am I buying? I'm buying a three bed, two bath, granite countertops, and... GE appliances. Okay. Like that's what the ad said. Like if you look at any old ads, like that's what it was today. What we say is like, you're buying a lifestyle, you know, your, your favorite barista is down, is down the street. Your, your dog park is, you know, over here. Like, what is it that you're buying? You're, Cause you're not buying three bedrooms. You're buying a lifestyle. You're buying a sanctuary for your family, for your house, for a place for you to live and grow, create memories. And so we just changed the way that the marketing was happening. So I guess the big the, the takeaway here is that if you're starting into a business, whatever that business is, you need to look at, analyze the industry and figure out how you can be different, how you can redefine, how you can change, how can you improve you improve a technology, you improve efficiencies. There's always something that can improve. And one of the greatest things that you don't have to go invent an industry and you don't have to go invent something in order to make money. You just have to find a way during a shift to take advantage of it. Like right now, there is a shift happening in the real estate industry. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but I can tell you that from my perspective, I've already taken myself out of my body and I'm looking at this industry and I'm trying to figure out what that shift is and how am I going to take advantage of that shift. But that shift is happening. And the ones that take that, that see it are going to survive and the ones that don't see it are going to fold. On that note, you know, I think there's a lot of people listening or watching that are familiar with you that see your lifestyle now. And maybe like I would say, people look at the end result and they don't see all of the hours and all the stuff that went into it. But I know, again, because you know, very, your personal story, and I know this this wasn't always a life. You struggled for a long time. For, for somebody that's new to their career and they're sitting there and they're looking at you like, easy for you to say, Mauricio, but I don't have X, Y, Z. What would you tell those people? Yeah, you know, I didn't have XYZ either. I mean, I remember when I started my business and I got into sales and, you know, I 
I, I, I was like trying to figure out, I was, I was having the same conversations I am having right now. It was just a little bit different instead of looking at an entire industry and how I'm going to change it and how I'm going to define it and redefine the entire industry. I was looking at myself and how am I going to take advantage of just starting to make, you know, a hundred grand, you know, 300 grand, you know, whatever that looks like. Right. I did that. You know, I came home one day after I was fired, I walked into my, my, my home, two bedroom condo, you know, two kids, a third on the way. And I, I looked at Kyle and she was clipping coupons and she was hiding that from me. And I had no idea she was clipping coupons and she was clipping coupons in order to go to the supermarket so that she can save money. And she hid that from me. I had no idea that that's what she was doing. So, you know, you don't, it, you can get started from wherever you are in life. You know, sales is a great path. It's an amazing path for some because it's the only, it, it is the ability to make a large amount of money through commissions, when you can deliver revenue to a company, they will pay you handsomely for it. If you're delivering a service, depending on the service, it's generally not paid as much as delivering revenue. If you're in the service industry, if you're delivering a service, that is revenue. But my point is that delivering revenue is where you get paid more money. In sales, you're taking all the risks, right? You're taking the risks on yourself. You're not taking business risk, you're taking the risk on yourself. And so therefore, the return is higher. And salespeople have an ability to make a lot of money without having to make an investment, right? And so- Or carry any inventory. Or carrying inventory, yep. right? Or, or a small investment, right? Sure. It's an investment in yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. no, I, I it's, think it's, it's, that's, <laughs> that's why I was saying earlier, like if you can get into sales and you want to fast track your life and also have some stability, no matter, because I, I feel like I could take you right now, I could take everything away and put you on the street. And because I'll sell of, something. Exactly. That's what I'm, and that's what I'm saying. 100%. Like, you will be fine because of that ability. 100%. You seem like you're a disruptor. Like if I was to describe you, I mean, yes, you're an entrepreneur, but you're also a disruptor. But And you're also at the same time a visionary. That was really interesting what you said about how you look at yourself sort of out of body. It's almost like meditative a little bit. Are there things that you do like meditating, wellness, habits, healthy things that you do on a daily basis that you could give our audience? It is 100% meditative. There's no question about that. And yes, I have, uh, you know, pretty much a routine that's every, you know, pretty much every day. Obviously, I, like everybody, wake up with a hangover every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth noting that the first time Mauricio and I met was on a boat in the middle of the ocean at 3 a.m. That's, um, that's another was, podcast. That's another podcast yeah. for a different day. But, but yes, but um, <laughs> I can attest you can drink tequila with the best of them. Yes, we can. But almost every day. I wake up, I'm, I'm, I'm an early riser. I don't close my drapes. I wake up with the sun. I meditate almost every day. I stretch almost every day. I'm just going to say it's every day because it's rare when I don't, okay? I meditate, I stretch, I exercise. So I basically what I'm doing is I'm exercising the mind, body, and soul, right? I eat well. I try to keep myself in really good shape. It's very important for me. And that allows me to have energy, to have clarity. The meditating in the morning is so important, guys, for, for, to, to have clarity in your life because it does give you that opportunity to have that out-of-body experience and to look at things differently. It is the only moment that I have the ability to define what my day is going to look like and make a choice of what my day is going to look like. And then I start, I go through the day and then I deliver on what I chose that morning to make my day look like. I get thrown a lot of curveballs during the day. Let's not, let's be real. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to make my day be, you know, flowers and, and chocolates and sweets. Oh my, like, no, you're going to get, you know, when you're in business, you're going to get a curveball every single minute, every single day. But it's a question of how you 
deal with those things that allows you to ultimately at the end of the day, you know, just, you know, be successful. Michael, I'm trying to get him to meditate. And I told him, I said, meditating is not just for spiritual reasons. It's exactly what you said. It's like a business strategy session with yourself of how you want your day to go or your week or your month or your year or your five year. It's it's actually a strategy session with yourself. Is there a meditation that you do or you just sit in silence? And if so, how long? I need to know specific. Yeah. So different thing, different things, different days, different situations. You know, so if I'm Next week, I'm going to be delivering the forum. I've got 700 of my top real estate agents coming here to Austin, and I'm going to be on stage delivering, motivating, all of that stuff. So I'm waking up that morning, and I'm meditating, and I'm really just meditating then to make sure that I can deliver passion, motivation, messages, takeaways, deliver you know empathy and reality, right? So that's very specific to what I'm doing in that morning. When I'm meditating with non-specifics, and I'm really just allowing myself to get more out out of body and trying to see things from a different perspective. It's more of a silent meditation. Sometimes I'll put on like a sound bath or some, you know, something like that. That's just very innocuous and just kind of doesn't really do anything. I don't like that. I started meditating and this is important because a lot of the people listening probably have never meditated. I started meditating through guided meditation. And that is a really great way to start. Once you get going and once you're accustomed to it, you don't need to guide it anymore. And you can kind of allow it you know, to, to happen by, by, by itself. The other day, I can tell you, I went into the gym. I woke up super early. My intention, I was going to be doing Dancing with the Stars. I was in the competition day. I woke up super early and I was going to be you know, half naked on, the, on, on television. And so my intention that morning was just to go in there, have a little 20-minute meditation, really get focused on my dance, and then work out and get ripped so I can look good, right? I got into this meditation. I was silent. About two hours later, I woke up out of the meditation. I was late for the, to, to get to the, to the dance studio. Um, it, it's a live thing. I never worked out. I never did anything. But it, the meditation got so intense that I didn't even realize that two hours had passed. Um, that was the first time I had had that experience. You know, it, you can get that deep if you get into that into that situation. Well, fa- staying. Are on you this inspired? Thi- no, I am. And this, it's one of those <laughs> things where I've had so many people that are high performers come on the show and say and tell me the benefits they've got from it. And it's like I've started with the guide, and I think I got to find a better guide because sometimes I get thrown off. Um, I won't say I won't say anybody's name, but I just got to find that one and then stick with it because I have the other stuff pretty well under control, right? I will do all the other stuff, the eating well and the fitness, but this is something I need. This to This morning do for sure. when I was meditating, I had my crystal eye mask on, my you're, headphones you're on, my blanket, and he 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 tries to pound around to break <laughs> no. me out of my meditation, and I I'm like, it's say, not going to work because that's why I meditate. So I have capacity to deal with outside I stress. Will say, it's not going to work. You try so no, hard. It's a sneeze. No, it's no, a throat clear. I will it's say. A, the dog did this. I'm. You're not going to break me out of it. Little couple syrup here. I will say that we also have a three-year-old it. and a one-and-a-half-year-old in the house running I, around. I need to get and my while she's, she going. While I she's meditating, take, I have both in I my arms I carried them for 10 months. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I carried them for 10 months each. Let okay. me meditate for 20 so, months. You took you carried it on for ten months. You had an extra month. I'm adding an extra month. Okay. I'm rounding out. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find with her. Uh, she she always adds a little bit of exaggeration. Okay, call it eleven. You know, I the, mean that's impressive. <laughs> Nineteen months, bitch. Speaking to you now, a lot is starting to line up with with the world that you're in, and we were talking about this a little off air, and 
again, like Lauren and I work in this environment where we control it. Like what we say today, we produce it, we own it. We don't have to, I don't have to be edited. Like it's my choice what we decide to put out. But in your world, I feel like you guys can't sneeze without the world commenting (laughs) on it. And I wonder with everything that's going on on the show and in your personal life right now, like how you deal with that outside noise and still- He meditates for two hours. And still show up here and do a podcast and stay focused and still show up to your event and stay focused. Because I think a lot of people would be going through what you're going through right now and saying, what what the fuck do I do? What, What my life looks like right now is insane. It's out of control. The amount of stories that are coming out on a daily basis about, you know, everybody wants to know what's going on with my, you know, with my marriage. Like, I do too, you know, like, and we're normal people. We're normal human beings. We're going through a struggle. We're going through issues just like everybody else does. There's no playbook for how to deal with it. Like we're humans, we're people, and it doesn't change on a daily basis. Like if we're separated, that means we're giving each other time to allow things to happen, which means it can't change every single minute and every single day. And, you know, the tabloids right now are, you know, they want to write a story about it every single day. And I get calls and I get stopped and I get this. And I'm like, guys, like it's just just not happening that fast. Like when I know what I'm doing with my marriage, I will let you guys all know until then you, everybody can take a hike and fuck off part of my language. Right. But But, do you, but do you feel that that is fair to have to let the, I mean, I guess it's not, it's not about being fair, right? It's about life. I mean, it's just, you know, we're in the public eye. We're, you know, on two television shows, we've got the real housewives of Beverly Hills. We've got buying Beverly Hills. I'm on a primetime television show right now, you know, on Dancing with the Stars, a third show that we've added to our life. My wife is, you know, in the middle of producing, you know, a documentary and she's in the middle of doing some, a bunch of other stuff. We're public figures and people want to know. We cannot control that. It is a bit of annoying. The way I control it myself is I, I, I do not let the noise get in. It's, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes the noise gets in. Don't get me wrong. When I say I don't allow it, like I don't allow it. But there are days where it gets in. It just pierces in there, right? There are moments where that noise gets in. I don't have a Google alert on myself. I already know what happened to myself. I wake up every morning. I know where I am. I know what I'm doing. I know what happened yesterday. I don't need to read about myself to know what happened yesterday, okay? Or to read speculation about what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, I don't need that either. So I don't read that stuff. I don't have a Google alert on myself, which is really, really important. I don't have a Google alert on my wife. Um, I've chosen this year to not watch the, uh, season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I'm actually not watching it this, this season because I also know that they're dramatizing everything and there's a bunch of stuff and there's a bunch of stuff against, you know, that, you know, that, that, that I don't even want to see just because it'll create more noise with me and the more, you know, more opinions and the people that are, you know, that, that watch that show are all opinionated and they just don't realize that, you know, there are two humans on the other side of that, you know, opinion. And that's really, really difficult. But the way I, I deal with it through meditation and I deal with it by not, you know, just, I just don't listen. I, I know, I mean, like I always tell my wife, I'm like, I know what happens to us. I'm the one that went to bed. I'm the one that woke up. I know every conversation I had yesterday and I know every conversation I'm having right now. So I don't need to read the speculation and the BS that's out there about us that's speculative. Did you know you can tell the difference between a laboratory-grown diamond and a natural diamond? Laboratory-grown diamonds are mass-produced in factories in just a few weeks and are easily detected due to their distinct patterns. On the other hand, natural diamonds are over a billion years old and support the livelihoods of over 10 million people worldwide. The positive impact of natural diamonds is widespread. 
Around 80% of the value of every rough diamond remains in local communities and supports infrastructure, healthcare, education, and environmental protection. So, next time you're thinking of celebrating a special moment in your life, remember that your natural diamond also protects vulnerable wildlife species and brings prosperity to many less fortunate communities around the world. For more information, visit naturaldiamonds.com. Quick break to talk about Beekeepers Naturals. This is an absolute game changer. As someone who speaks all the time, if you haven't noticed, one of my secret weapons is Beekeepers Naturals. Their propolis, their throat spray. I use it every single time before we start a podcast. I use it before we fly because it helps my immune system. I use their lozenges right before I go on stage to speak. I actually did that today. Here is what I love about the bee propolis. It actually works. If you've read the news recently, a ton of stuff is being pulled off the shelf because it's been proven to not work. Propolis, however, does work. Carly, the founder of Beekeepers Naturals, has come on this show and talked all about the reasons why she decided to go into this category. Definitely check out that episode. Just search Carly Beekeepers Natural Skinny Confidential Podcast and it'll pop up. The products that we love the most are definitely the throat spray. And then right now they have a liposomal vitamin C plus propolis. This has been an absolute critical component key to my toolbox right now with our kids back in school. These kids go to school and they're like little germ magnets. They bring all sorts of stuff home. So I take the propolis every single day and my immune system is on fire. We also love that this stuff is all natural, no chemical ingredients, no BS, no junk. And of course, we have an offer for you. Beekeepers Naturals is running their biggest sale of the year now through November 30th. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash skinny or enter code skinny to get 30% off your order. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash skinny or enter code skinny. Beekeepersnaturals.com slash skinny. If you're a regular listener of this show, you might know that I drink AG1 every single day, every single morning for years, and I am absolutely on fire. I absolutely love AG1. It's a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. I'm even doubling down some days because right now we're in the winter season. Our kids are back in school. They're getting sick all the time. Drinking AG1 is so easy. Each morning, the way that I do it is I wake up, I pour a huge glass of water, dump a scoop of AG1 into the water, and boom, just chug it right down. And what I love about this is you get your multivitamin in one place, you get your prebiotic, you get your probiotic, you get your adaptogen. I've said it so many times on this show. If I was only going to pick one tool, one supplement that I could take cost-effectively, consistently, all the time, whether I'm at home or traveling, it would definitely be AG1. I've recommended AG1 to all my friends and family. Anytime I can, I send it to them as a gift. And of course, I always use our own code. Drinking AG1 has been an absolute game changer, an absolute staple in my daily routine. I could not imagine living a life without AG1 at this point. And of course, we have a special offer for any listener of this show. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com skinny. That's drinkag1.com skinny. Check it out. Have you guys ever thought about pulling away from the show? Given So at this point in your life with all of the success you've had, I always wonder too, like why anymore? Because, and because your life is open now to, like you said, all of these people that have an opinion constantly. Yeah, it's a, it's a catch-22. You know, there is a lot of fun 
stuff to it. You know, for example, right, I, I, I'm on Buying Beverly Hills. Buying Beverly Hills is not, you know, near it, on Netflix. It's not nearly as, you know, it's not a toxic environment. It's, a it's about a business. I love that show, um, too. It's a great show. Yeah, it's a good show. Farrah's amazing in it. My kids are amazing. I get to do it with my, you know, th- uh, two of my girls. And, and and you have to tune in to see if there's a third one coming. Oh, no, I was on. just gonna say, I think it's, and now it's three, right? <laughs> and I love it. It's an amazing thing. I get to work with them. I get to have amazing experiences. The friendships that they that 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 that, that we have all developed, not only as a father daughter relationship, but also as a friendship relationship, has grown incredible. It's amazing the stuff that we get to do together. And I and and a lot of that has to do because we work together, because we film together. And I wouldn't trade that for the world because that bond that I have with with my daughters, with Farah, Alexia, Sophia, Portia, but primarily, you know, with Farah, Alexia because of the show and all that stuff and that friendship that I get to have with them as adults, I wouldn't get to do that if I wasn't doing that. Sure. So that's an amazing trade-off. And obviously, it's an incredible thing for, for marketing, for branding, for allowing us to grow the brand and the brand recognition on a global basis. So all of those reasons are, are reasons, you know, to continue to do the show. I think that it should also be said that 26 years of marriage that you guys have had is incredible. When you four children and four children, when you look at 26 years of marriage, what are some things that you would give advice to a couple like Michael and I? Michael and I will be married for seven years. We've known we've been dating our whole life for 21 years. 21 years, not collectively, like sporadically. What are like some good tips and takeaways? I love that. Well, 26 years is a success, right? And, yeah. and it might, you know, yeah, it's a success. might go longer. It might not go longer. I don't know at this moment, but 26 years is definitely a success. And it's actually been 27 years. I always say 26 years because it was 26 great years and one difficult year. Um, Round up like me, just say 30. 30. It's 30 years. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, I think couples have to respect each other, respect each other's boundaries have fun with each other. Like you cannot lose that fun. You know, it's like you get into these moments. I see so many of my friends and couples and all of that stuff. And they get into this thing of like repetitiveness. Everything's the same. Like I got to get home. I got to feed the kid. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like, you know, I got to be home by six because other, it's like, you cannot have everything so regimented. If you have everything so regimented, eventually that starts getting old. And when things start getting old, eventually it starts breaking up your, your, your relationship. Being open, being willing to take some risks, willing to be outside of your comfort zone, being creative. Like as a couple, you still have to continue to, you know, to go find things to do together and be creative and be, you know, do different things. It's very, very important to Are do that. Are you taking notes? Having creative. fun. I um, can feel her staring at la- her. Yeah, <laughs> laughing. Laugh. Like, laughing and having fun is like critical right like taking trips i mean you guys you know i saw you guys you're out there you're out they're like like do fun (laughs) things with each other right of course no i mean i think what we always say for us is we start like we're we're best friends we do you know we want to do all of the things you mentioned because if not like what else what's the point right like we're not just trying to play house together. One thing that i really want to compliment you on and and kyle too is that you guys have raised really amazing children. Thank you. And they're very, very well-rounded and they're smart and they, they're self-aware. Like, I just think, I think Farah's incredible. I think she's just, and I know your other daughters are the same way. Farah thinks the same about you, by the way. I love her. She loves you. Farah, come back on the show. Farah, we miss you. Yeah, let's get you and Melissa on. <laughs> um, but I want to know how you guys have been able to do that in a city where that can be really difficult. 
Because not everyone's, I, I lived in LA for a little bit, and not everyone is like Farah. She's down to earth. I, at the end of the day, you just got to be real. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, from, I can't talk, you know, Kyle's an amazing mother. She loves her kids. She's real. She does all of those things. I cannot talk about Kyle in terms of like forgetting, but like, for example, me, I forget I'm on television every, if I'm not talking about it, um, I forget I'm on it. If I, I'll, somebody will scream at me on the street and like Mauricio. And I'm like, you know, like, how do you know me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you, you just gotta be real. And, 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 and it's hard. It's easy to say, you know, life is so interesting because my opinion and my philosophy of life is just going to simple simplicity as much as possible. The simpler we make it, the more fun and the more complicated it can be. Going to simplicity and actually doing that is really, really hard, right? But at the end of the day, like, yeah, if you could just, it's so easy to say, you could just be real at home and be open and be vulnerable and be all those things. Like, you're going to raise real kids. It goes back to reading the room. If you're watching them, if you're observing them, if you're present, you're going to raise real kids, right? Like, you have a limited amount of time with your kids. That limited amount of time that you have with them on a daily basis, if you are present, you can choose to be present, you can choose to pay attention, you can choose to show them love, and you can choose to do all of those things. Or you could be on your phone, you could watch the game, the World Series, the Super Bowl, you know, and be like, stop bothering me, stop bothering me. There's choices in that, okay? Those three hours that you have with your kids, if you are present with them and giving them love will make a humongous difference. I think that's great advice. Great advice. <laughs> if you were to leave our audience with a success tip, you're around a lot of very smart people. You yourself and not are very just smart. in real estate. I mean, you're selling to yeah. some of the most successful people in the world. And also, we listened to you on Ed Milet's podcast. I know you're friends with him. Like, you're just surrounded, I feel like, by a lot of high performers. And what is like the common denominator that you would leave? with our audience? That is a great question. I think that the common denominator amongst high performers is that everybody, high performers seem to find a solution and seem to look at the world just in different ways, right? Like there's no problem that can't be solved. There's no bad situation, right? Like we just seem to look at the world from a much wider perspective. Don't look at negativity and problems as, as, as a problem, but rather as a potential to solve a solution and create a solution. There is, people say at my company all the time, you can't deliver bad news to Mauricio, right? It's, like, it's not that you can't deliver bad news, it's that bad news to me is strictly an equation of something that needs to be resolved to be turned into, a, you know, in, in, into something. And so I think that that's, you know, successful people, they wake up early, successful people are, are, are present, a lot of them have the ability to have that, what I'm calling that out-of-body experience, and be able to look down on themselves and look down on their industry and look down at their issues and start finding solutions and uh, opportunities and everything. And we're constantly thinking about those things. Before you go, what was the motivation? I just have, this is just curious myself, to go on Dancing with the Stars. I feel like... When if I were to do something like that for myself, that would it's a be a lot so, of work. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of work. No, Michael, I don't think you understand no, no, no. how much work it is. Tell them how much work you're, you're practicing. Like I'm a, sixteen listen, hour days. I'm right? a confident guy. It's crazy. I feel like I would be such a fish out of water and something like but that. But it's that, also such a good workout, huh? So it's an incredible workout. It was the most fun I've ever had in doing something that was just completely out of body. Uh, you know, it was incredible. First of all, you you rehearse four hours a day. Wow. Okay, so you're literally dancing, working out four hours a day. 
you know, then, you know, I spent, I, I was spending at least another hour a day in the gym, stretching, still working out, lifting weights, all of that stuff. I obviously wasn't doing cardio. I was doing enough cardio with the dancing. Okay. But the motivation to do that, honestly, and, 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 and I look at it two different ways, the motivation to do that for me, a, it came at a really good time in my life. So it gave me an opportunity to um, get distracted, to do something else. From a business perspective, the president of my company, Rainey, had control of the company. Like I had, I had the time and the ability in my time right now to be able to just take that time off and dedicate myself to, to something completely different. But two of the most important things that I got out of this thing. Number one, all successful people in every book that you've ever read, everything that has to do with motivational, always tells you that in order to be great, you have to put yourself in, out of your comfort zone, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, right? I have not put myself in an uncomfortable or out of my comfort zone in many, many years, okay? I would say probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years where I've literally have been doing something that's completely outside of my comfort zone. Dancing was completely outside of my comfort zone. I've never danced before. I've never performed in front of a live audience before. I've never had to do anything artistic like that before. What ended up happening because I put myself in that outside of that comfort zone was such a growth and such an amazing thing. And it made me so much better that it made me realize how important it is to put yourself in, outside of that comfort zone. And what I grew and what I learned was I learned empathy. I learned, you know, I was in how to uh, listen. You know, I was now a student, not a teacher. I went from being the CEO of, you know, 100 offices, 3,500 agents, you know, being a teacher, being a preacher to being a student, to listening, to having to learn something completely new. I learned how to tap into a part of my brain that I've never tapped into, which is that artistic performer, dance, completely, you know, left brain, right brain, all that kind of stuff. Like I tapped into a completely new part of that brain that I had never tapped into. Okay. I learned that, you know, how many mistakes I would make on a daily basis. I mean, on dance two, I think it was week two where I was dancing the salsa and I knew the dance and I had it perfect. The cameras came on, I, the lights were off. I was in the middle. Of, I, I did my first third of my dance. It was pretty much broken into, into, into thirds. I did the first part of, third of my performance. Amazing. Second third, I came out of it and I completely blacked out. Never blacked out in my life. I literally blacked out. I, I lost my vision for about two seconds. I looked at Emma and, I, and I'm like, I have no idea where I am with the dance right now. I just kind of kept on moving. I kept on dancing. I'm on live television. I missed a third of my dance, okay? But I faked it. The country didn't know I missed a third of my dance, okay? The country thinks I missed five steps. I missed a third of my dance. I then got it back together and finished the last third beautifully and amazing, right? That, that lesson right there was, 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 was an incredible lesson. Like those moments where you're doing those things and you're making that kind of mistakes, it, it, it taught me empathy. It taught me empathy for the people that work for me when they make a mistakes, right? So there was so many great valuable lessons that came out of putting myself in this uncomfortable, you know, out of my comfort zone that was, uh, I wouldn't trade it. This is why I love doing this show so much because I think, again, people will look at you from the outside perspective without hearing you speak about this and they will have their notions about why you chose something to do this. And I think you just explained that so eloquently and it even got my wheels spinning. Like you can apply that to so many areas of your life. You can go into so many different areas to put yourself in a little bit of discomfort. We just had a guy named Michael Easter on the show who wrote a book called The Comfort Crisis. And it was a lot of this is about taking yourself out of your typical environment and doing something that stretches your comfort zone so that you can grow. And speaking of I and just that. distractions, I, I want to like, read that book. I just finished a book called uh, The Courage to be Disliked, which has a little bit of that concept too, which is really good. You, you'd like the comfort <laughs> crisis. He's, um, yeah, you'd like that. It's a quick read and he's yeah, a cool guy. Love that.
Mauricio, I could talk to you for hours. You can come back on with Farah. We can talk more real estate. Tell everyone where they can find you. Also, you have to let everyone know you guys are opening in Austin. We're interviewing you at your agency forum next week. I'm so excited. I feel like this episode gave me tons of tools to interview you. But where can everyone find you? How can they support the Austin opening? I love that. Thank you so much. We are opening up Austin this week. Uh, The grand opening is tomorrow. I'm so excited for the agency to be here and to be in Austin. I love Austin. I've been coming here for years. I'm going to be driving the the Circuit of America tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. And uh, you can find me on uh, probably the best ways. Find me on Instagram, mumansky18. Yes, the number 18, mumansky18 on Instagram. Feel free to send me a DM. And I, I do try to answer most of them. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Mauricio. You're the man. We are doing a giveaway. It's a huge ass giveaway with Chroma Wellness. I'm obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with their cleanse. It's so good. It's like my favorite ever. They have a cranberry hydration packet in there that's so delicious for electrolytes. They also have my favorite beauty matcha that has protein in it. And we're giving away a full cleanse. So you get this gorgeous, stunning box. And not only that, it comes with like a cookie butter. You guys, it's the best cleanse. Anyways, we're giving away a box. All you have to do is tell us your favorite takeaway from this episode with Mauricio on my latest post at Lauren Bostick, and you will be entered to win.